Hello, I'm Kristen Perisonotto. And I'm Hannah Ferguson, and we're co-founders of Cheek Media Co. This is the Week with Cheek podcast. Before we start the podcast, I would like to acknowledge that we are on stolen land of the Yagara and Turrbal people, and acknowledge their elders past and present. Welcome back to Weekly Cheek. Welcome. 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 What the fuck? <laughs> I've lost it. We just had a pizza. <laughs> and I had a Hawaiian. Hawaiian. It was very different for me. A lot of podcasts, they start with like, how are you? How are you? Well, we just start with doing something no. weird. Yes. How are you? Um, Full. But like I was in that like zone where I was like, oh, I could pulse out for three and a half hours right now and then take a shit. And then I kind of like bounce back when we were chatting and having a little giggle before. Bounce back. Bounce back. How are you? That's our favorite phrase. I don't know. I'm pretty good, actually. We use it in the worst way. I know. It's a very girl boss queen of us. Yes, it's very bad. Yep. Anyways. We're like, oh my God, I've had the worst morning of my life. Oh, are you okay? Yep, I bounce back. I bounce back. Record time. Record time. I actually said it to my psychologist the other day and she like laughed. I was like, I have a really good bounce back rate. And she was like, <laughs> and I was like, fuck. <laughs> I was like, I don't get it because like I'm the but I'm the best. Did you but, say like, it as you didn't say it as a joke? No, I was just like, I know I bounce back quickly, but like I do bounce between different moods mm-hmm. as well. So mm-hmm. like I know that when we, but this is another thing about bouncing back. We bounce back quickly, but we also don't go long periods of time without having a down period. So is it really bouncing back? I until this year, I used to go along. I pretty much had my whole life with no down period. That is such a red flag. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll unpack that later. Back to the topic. Back to the topic. Today. This year's just been fucked. Yes. It's external things. That's the thing. No, no, me. there's nothing actually wrong with you. There's nothing. It's just been really busy. Yeah. Don't worry. This is not a cry for help. No, I'm fine. I Don't would, ask me if I'm okay because I am. I would know. Okay. Anyways, today we're talking about the conservative war on sex. Mm, also, um, join our Patreon. <laughs> Sorry. That was seamless. <laughs> Perfect segue. That transition. Wow. <laughs> Yikers. Uh, okay. Four Don't go into marketing. <laughs> Four dollars a month um, to and join our close friends on Instagram. Be really nice. Thank you. Go to our link in our Instagram bio. Yeah. Or our or the the description of this episode. Anyway, the conservative war on sex. I was going to burp and then I decided not to because it would hurt your sensitive ears. Also, I always edit it out. Oh, damn it. Okay. You can't burp it into people's earphones. Why? It's awful. What if I farted? I would. I would prefer that. To a burp. You're kidding me. It's a burp right into You're the crazy, earphone, girl. Right into the <laughs> earphone. If I knew that, if I knew that everyone was listening in a car radio, I wouldn't care. But a burp into the earphone, terrible. Beautiful. Anyways, anyways, wasting valuable minutes talking about sex. Um. So, I think we want to talk about what we've been taught uh, culturally when growing up, what we were taught in school, what legislation teaches us, what politicians teach us, what is acceptable consent culture, the changes. And I think that it kind of stems from the, the idea for the topic stems from the Roe versus Wade overturning because it's like that is the Republican war on sex mm. um, and the Republican war on reproductive rights and the bodies of people that have uteruses. Mm-hmm. But now I want to look at like in our country, like, religious discrimination, religious freedom, separation of church and state, what we're taught in school, what's not acceptable in school, same-sex marriage legislation. Like all these things affect our perception and comfortability and shame around sex. Yes. I think that it all comes from religion. Same. That's like the abortion argument, mm. all from religion. Yes. Completely. Even even if the 
link is not immediately obvious. It comes from a religious ideology, even if the person who holds that ideology is not religious. And I will, that's where I, it's come I from. I think we need to specify that it's Christianity. Christianity, yeah. Um, tell me what you did in school. <laughs> so I went to a public primary school and then I went to a very conservative Christian high school. And you can listen back to the episode called Was I in a Cult? If you'd like to hear more about that. Um, so I got sex ed from in year five, six, and seven. Yep. I think, I don't think it was early, any earlier than that. Um, and then I went to this re- very religious high school and one year in grade 10, I received abstinence only education from a pastor of a church. He delivered it. Who was a man, obviously. Pastors can't be women. Everyone knows that. <laughs> Pastors are spaghetti. <laughs> I know. I always say pa- pastor. Yeah. Yeah. It's because it's like, depends on the religion, yes. but like for us, for that religion, it was, um, that, a pastor. Uh, sect or yes. P-A-S-T-O-R. Denomination of Christianity. Yes. yes. I think it was like Methodist. Yeah. It was, it was Wesleyan. It's Marbo. It's the vibe. It's the vibes. Anyway, it's not the vibes. And so we received, I don't remember how long it went. I don't know if it was like a series, or like a few classes in a couple of weeks or if it was one class or if it was like one long session I don't remember but at the end of it we had to sign these like virginity pledges to God to God to God signed signature yes promising like a template letter it was like a little like a postcard type thing and we just like put our names on it did you have to write anything personalized no you just sign it and then where do you put it um I think we kept them do you have it? No, I don't. I don't keep that Frame kind of it. shit. Above I also <laughs> did not tell or show it to my mother. What would have happened? She would have lost her shit. Karen. Yep. Queen. <laughs> she would have gone into the school and carried on. But no one else's parents did. Well, I not that I knew of. It was a very small school, and people were because I know in a lot of um, a lot of people who go to like I think particularly Catholic schools, but also like private schools, it's not really religious. Like a lot of the um, students are not religious and don't come from religious families. The family just picked it because it was like the best performing school or yes. some, for some other kind of reason. That's what happens in regional areas a lot of the time when there's not that many options. Well, my school was really religious. Yeah. Like the coverage of the students who were actively involved in religion was like very high. Hmm. So, and no one thought it was weird either. No one pushed back on it. Interesting. In fact, I didn't even think much of it at the time. I was like, okay, cool. Just going to sign this. I don't remember thinking like, I didn't take it seriously. Like I didn't say take the pledge seriously. I just didn't really think about it that much. Cause I only told my mum about it like a few years ago and she was like, what? Hmm. So that was fucked. What did you, what did you get? I'm trying to think about it now. Oh my God. Memory oh, I don't know if I can tell this. Okay. I'm a bit repressed. I was repressed for a long time. Mm-hmm. When I was in year eight, oh my God, I can't believe I want to say this on podcast, but I think it's people will get a kick out of it. Okay. Jesus. <laughs> Have I heard this story? No, maybe not, but you, we'll see how you react. When I was in year eight, I was in, we had compulsory religion to year 12, um, as a class. Same. 
when and we had like monthly mass prayer and roll call every morning like it was a catholic actually and i want to mention this because the person will listen a couple of weeks ago we talked about schools on the pod and i said mine was more progressive than yours and someone in the year above me at school who listens to the podcast messaged me the other day and said like i'm really surprised you said that Mm -hmm. and i was like fuck i'm really surprised i said that too thinking back because i think she's absolutely right like my school wasn't progressive it was conservative but i think that in comparison to yours i felt like i was in the fucking left yeah but i wasn't when I was in year eight. I only, I, so I lived in Sydney till I was in year eight. And then my family moved to Orange. So three hours West of Sydney regional area, went to the Catholic school. I had been at a public school before that went to the Catholic school, started in term four of year eight. So in that term, it was maybe like the, it was the last day of term of year eight. And I was sitting in religion class and in the row behind me, um, a boy started penetrating a girl (gasps) finger. Oh, still. Wow. Oh my God. And I was terrified and I turned around and so they were diagonally in the row behind me. Mm -hmm. So I turned around and like, saw it. She was moaning. It was, we wore skirts. Mm -hmm. It was very obvious what was happening. Mm -hmm. Um, and we had a substitute teacher who was just at the front chatting to someone like the whole hour Mm -hmm. and it just didn't stop. Mm. I was so traumatized. I was so scared. And then that is quite traumatizing for a 13 year old. I never said anything. And then someone else reported it. And then I was dragged into the school counselor and like, what did you see? And I was like, and then he was fingering her. And then the school counselor was like, well, you can't prove that. And I was like, excuse me. What? <laughs> How, that's not the re- the response, the reaction. What? I don't understand. It was about your experience. Mm. If you're in a fucking counselor. Yeah. It was really strange. What the F? But that's then bizarre. I also will say like the, um, the priest that would come to our school every month was very touchy. So Uh. I was always very uncomfortable around him. And we would always, there wasn't like a celibacy pact or abstinence or things like that. There wasn't abstinence only education, but I remember the P it wasn't, it wasn't at a Catholic school. Yeah. No, I remember getting like, I remember in year nine or 10 getting like a sheet that was like a table and it just had all the list of contraceptives. And my teacher was, it was a man, he was so uncomfortable and he just like, just read the, all the options aloud and then just like stopped. <laughs> like a list. Yeah. He was just Kill. like, so, um, yeah. And he was a very awkward individual. Like, oh, I don't God. think, I don't think he necessarily, I think he was uncomfortable, but it wasn't the curriculum that was bad. Mm. Um, sorry. He just him. read. <laughs> he was so uncomfortable. That's right. And I remember really just being funny. left to like, you, it was the table was like, you had to read a sentence and like match it. I remember it being like a match game. Oh and my God. I'm trying to think of other fucked up things that happened. How is, how are any of us like well adjusted at all, quite frankly? Well, we're not. <laughs> it's true. I mean, I think I am. It took me a really long time to come to terms with it. Like, I don't think, I mean. The year eight thing or the not matching that, the... No, like just, I I mean... All of it. The conversations around sex. Like I, for a long time, I was like very, um, I felt like I was very innocent and like very childlike and like I wasn't very good at approaching those conversations. And mm. I think it's only been since, I, when I turned 20, it all changed for me. Okay. When I went to uni and I was like living on campus and I was just like living with 200 people that were having sex all the time. And that really freaked me out because I remember being like, so we were sitting like having like a picnic on the lawn or something. And one of my friends said to me, like, it's happening all around us. And I was like, what the fuck? And it like blew my brain up that like, when you live together, it just happens all the time. And everyone just is like rabbits. Like it was fucked. But then I was like, that means bad things are happening all the time too. A very interesting take from you, Queen. Well, it's just like, I don't really know that many people that something bad hadn't happened. So mm. it was like, well, if we're all having sex, it's probably. Some I, of them are going to be bad. 
yes. like non-consensual. And yeah. I think the thing is, is that my friendship group in college was probably the most progressive. Like I was in the group that was the most progressive about talking about all of this stuff. Like mm. we were always super forward, super comfortable saying literally anything to each other. Mm-hmm. And that is probably the most pivotal thing that happened for me in breaking down that taboo mm-hmm. and like sort of breaking open that conversation and making sex not a conservative, secretive, shameful subject. Mm-hmm. But I still now I'm like so open about it, but I've carried shame for a long time. And I think now it's like in my private circles, like I'm not going to talk about it on the fucking podcast, but now I'm like very open and comfortable talking to anyone about like what I'm interested in like mm-hmm. what it makes me feel good what does it like that sort of thing anyone sorry what I mean is like if I was you know just starting to see someone or making friends with someone like I would oh. happily be open about okay sex yes and pleasure and yep. like but also like on our Instagram stories I really respond to everyone who shares a sex thing mm. and I'm not I'm not gonna be like so this one time when I was having it's not like that but yeah. what I mean is I'm, I'm comfortable talking about condoms consent what people like what pleasure is what masturbation is all these Mm -hmm. sorts of things with most people because i think that having those conversations normalized is so crucial to ensuring that consent culture continues to develop yeah because i think that every time we have these conversations with people we fucking stop a conservative in their tracks yes because so many progressives are still scared of talking about it or still feel ashamed of their bodies or ashamed of sex and even like I mean, I'm an incredibly progressive woman and I'm still very insecure sexually. Mm-hmm. And I like, and it's one of those things where it's like all of us carry a lot of shame and, and secrets or um, confusion around it. And I think that every time we have a conversation, it breaks open something. Well, you did a podcast. Uh, I mean, no, this is a podcast. You did an Instagram story box that was like, tell me the most embarrassing thing. Mm. And I was really disturbed by to see what people found embarrassing. Because most of them were just normal sex things. Uh, b- sex and bodily function mm-hmm. types of things. Yeah. Yeah. And it concerns me because also it concerns me when people say this and they follow it up with like, you're the only person I've ever told. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm a complete stranger. And I get that you telling me, and it's very special to me that someone's mm. done that. Mm-hmm. But I also know that the capacity they're telling me in is, um, I don't know you and you don't know me. So I feel safe because this is kind of, it's kind of a meaningless interaction. Yeah. There's no power. Like I'm, what am I going to do with that? Yeah, exactly. I feel like they feel like they're alleviating something and getting something off their chest to someone they don't know, but they also mm. know I can't wield it against them. Yeah. So there's no risk. It's not actually, inter- I, I would argue it's not true vulnerability mm. because there's, there's maybe discomfort on your part, but it's being open and honest with someone that has no ability to, yeah, well, I don't there's know some them. things you would say to a stranger that you wouldn't say to friends. Exactly. Just because it's like... Queen, would you have anything like that? You're not really like that. What do you mean? There's like, not much you would say to a stranger that you wouldn't say to friends. No, I don't say anything to strangers. That's exactly right, but it's different. <laughs> but I just think that's, that point doesn't apply to you, probably applies no, no, to no, me. No, no, it doesn't apply to me. Um, but I think it does apply. Like, and I also think that, like... I would, I mean, I was thinking about it, like, on the internet as well. Yes. So, because I think, like, saying things like that... Um, when you're staring at someone's face that you don't know, it would be weird probably for a Absolutely. lot of people. Yeah. Um, but I think that it's, yeah, it's a great privilege for us that they want to share that. And especially in that sort of a space, but it's also interesting that you've never wanted to tell anyone that, but you're happy for it to go anonymously to the world Yes. in some capacity. And I get that must create some sort of relief, mm. but is it faux relief? Like, what is that? Uh, mm, not that it really matters. To be yeah, honest. I don't think it matters. And it's not, it's kind of against the point, but I think it's my a- my t- main takeaway from it is not that side of things. It's just the fact that like this person thinks this is really embarrassing, and that is a really sad reflection oh, of society. Definitely, because obviously at some point, I think usually those things that you're like 
the the like oh this is the most embarrassing thing I would never tell anyone that so often not always stems from the fact that when that person was like a child or in their formative years or even an adult someone made them feel like it was something to be very embarrassed by absolutely and shame is in my view a wasted emotion and i feel it often for someone who believes that Mm -hmm. but i think that shame in any capacity is wasted shame is a hard one to like just stop feeling though no exactly so that's why it's a but I think it's because there's a difference between embarrassment and shame. And I think that when people say they're – that's what that's – what, I think that sex carries the shame connotation more than embarrassment. Mm. Um, embarrassment is much more surface level. Shame is like deep. Yeah. Because shame is such an inward reflection of who you fundamentally are as a person as opposed to being like, oh, I fell. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like that out of your control versus yeah. – yeah. yeah. If you trip over in public, that's embarrassing, not necessarily shameful. Yes. But it also – like people, um, it's interesting. The question box I put up a couple of days ago for our close friends was, um, what's something that you were taught about sex that you now know is wrong. Mm. And the most common things, which I think are all things that Chanel Contos and the teachers consent campaign have like really started to break down, Mm -hmm. especially like the thing that came up more than anything was blue balls. Mm. Um, as like, this is the worst phrase of all time. And like that it literally physically causes men pain to not finish or to blah, 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 all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. The other one was, hmm please <laughs> yeah the other one is um that you can become pregnant anytime of the month mm. um a lot of stuff about like it's very unlikely yeah condoms, i don't want to like yeah you know <laughs> just perpetuate disinformation yeah but, it, but it's, it, it's actually like when you really look into the probability it's crazy that anyone gets pregnant at any time like know. it's actually such a small chance it is so weird isn't mm. it um but also I'm happy to share this if, if you don't think it's weird. You absolutely roasted me last year and you'll know what this is about because I had a misunderstanding about the pill. Do you remember this? Yes. So, of course I remember. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to – this is bad. So I, But I think it's a reflection of the fact that we don't learn. Yes. Yeah. So I would – when I was wanted to get my period, I would not take the sugar pill. I would just stop taking the pill, wait for my period to come, and then I would wait for my period to end and then I would start up the pill again. And then I would. <laughs> what? <laughs> you would what? I would have sex. Oh, I thought you were going to just. So. I thought you were going to say something else on Hinge that you did before you started taking it. <laughs> no. But you took the pill again, didn't you? No. <laughs> and then I would. And then I remember once I was like lagging and I was like, oh, Kristen, I'm a bit worried. And you said, we, I explained what I did and you were like, that's wrong because you need the build up over like, you need to take the sugar pill and then start retaking the pill when you're like, when it's nat, like went through during you need to seven re- days, you need to start taking the pill as the sugar pill progresses. Like you need to follow the packet because yep. then there's they're... a reason that there are seven sugar pills. Yes. Whereas I was seven ignoring days. it thinking, perfect. I'll let make my pill last longer. Because... <laughs> that's what I thought it was doing. Because it would take me often five to seven days to get the period after stopping taking the pill. Queen. You were saving them. Well, I thought mine goes for ages because I would wait five to seven days to get my period. Then I would get my period for seven days. But okay, look, sorry. I don't want to be judgmental. Well, you fucking being, are being. I was. I was well, you were like okay, no, but, freaked but like, out. Yeah, because. I know. I'm, I don't know how I didn't get pregnant ever. Because like you're, the pill is working while you're taking the pill. So do you just think that because you took the pill a few weeks ago that it was going to still work? I just didn't realize how long it took to build up protection again. One week, usually. Yeah, that's what so, I didn't so this know. Is, this that's is what, what I we were doing maths-wise. So if, if I can, I'll explain. Like, So Hannah was taking the active pills for three weeks 
then you are supposed to take, if you want to have your period, seven days of the sugar pill, pill, and then again, back to three weeks of the active pill. But because it takes, so once you've taken, once you've gone and into the eighth day of the sugar pill, you then need to have taken the active pill for seven days to then actually be covered again. And like that is that is like a conservative estimate because obviously the pill companies want it to be successful. Yes. But like that is like medical advice is you must take the pill. Like if you go in into any doctor and get the pill, they'll tell you some of them is even I don't know if they if it's like different pills are like a different amount of time because some people say two weeks yeah. or if they just say some doctors say two weeks to be more conservative, I don't know, but they will tell you, you need to have the pill for either one to two weeks before you are fully covered from pregnancy. Yes. So then basically when we worked it out with the mass, Hannah was only covered like one, one week a month, I think. Do you remember? That's fucking insane, isn't it? God, that's so, so bad. But I think it's goes to show because I actually think I consider myself to be quite educated. Yeah fuck literally oh i was mostly well i was mostly concerned for you because i was like oh my god you could be pregnant right now i wasn't luckily um, for you because you didn't want to no offense to anyone who i did not want to be pregnant um but it's for, like in terms of like the wider problem i was like what the f- why the fuck has someone not cle- made sure that you understood that when they fucking gave you a prescription? Look at this bad boy in my like, arm right now. Biggest... I got this bad boy in my arm for three years. <laughs> Stay safe out there, homies. <laughs> that was the biggest concern for me. I was like, some medical professional has let you walk away with a script in hand, not ensuring that you understand exactly how to use the pill. Mm. That was the most disturbing thing for me. Yeah. Which also, because I was getting mine online through a good service that delivered mm. it to my door, but like I didn't know. But the first time you would have got it from a doctor, the doctor was um, like, I never had a face to face. It was one of those systems where they didn't I, even talk to you. No, I didn't even have a meeting. I just a phone up, call. Up, no, it, yeah, I think I had. A, I met a doctor in like year ten. I don't want to put shit on them, but like you need to fucking make sure. Yeah, I know. Anyways, anyway, now <laughs> that is concerning to but me. This is, this is the thing. Like, I mean. A lot of people don't know what stealthing is. Yeah. This is another topic that's sort of come in hot. Also, I was reading this morning about how um, Chanel Contrast was, had reposted one of uh, their campaigns. So revenge porn is now called image-based abuse. Good. Because revenge porn implies some element of the victim has to have done something wrong for to be taken revenge on. So true. So true, right? Image-based abuse. Mm-hmm. And it can be even threats. They can be fined up to $110,000. Really? For threatening? I'm not sure if it's threats or if they do anything. Also, there's a um, Chanel shared on Instagram essay, which I was like, this is fascinating. I didn't realize you could do this. There's a platform that you can report it to and they get the shit taken down in 24 hours. Really? Yeah. Wow. So like we've made huge strides. I didn't know about this. No, I didn't. It's fucking it's so insane. And I think some people will be like, even especially with the pill stuff, they'll be like, well, what does that have to do with the conservatives war on sex? Because we don't fucking talk about it enough. Yeah. But and also, nobody knows what's fucking going on. The right to contraception is probably going to be the next thing that the Supreme Court in the US goes for. 100%. So the more that we understand what contraceptive can do and what the power is and, and why we need access to it. And that's probably for more than it's, it's for so much more than pregnancy. Yeah, exactly. As well. But these are the, the things, contra- sorry, no, go on. The contraceptive pill was, a uh, like pivotal win in the women's liberation movement. Yes. And I know it's very binary, but that's like how it started was mm. for women's liberation. Yes. 
And like, I think that's something that we like no one ever talks about anymore. But also I think that the fact that we know so little about our own bodies and reproductive systems is such a testament to how little we've been educated and how the curriculum is so behind and that conservatives want to keep it that way. Mm. I mean, we can see that, especially in like Alan Tudge and Scott Morrison's issues with the national curriculum in relation to first nations people. But it goes so far beyond that. Like, why do I like, there was something specific I was thinking about. Honestly, until maybe two years ago, I had no idea that herpes was forever. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Um, or, and I don't really have, I'd never really had conversations about the true differences between the range of STIs. Like there's like STIs, mm. there's, you get checked. Mm. And then like, what's the conversation beside that? Like, there's not really, and there's not like a normal culture of going to get checked regularly. No, I like, think we're getting there. Yeah, but, but I don't no, think we never talk fully... about it. I feel like, I just feel like a lot of circles do talk. I think the, Again, like the um, queer community is way, Absolutely. way further ahead on this. Absolutely, so. and then it, you know, obviously, right now the focus of sexual education is on getting affirmative consent legislated in all states. Mm. But it's so interesting because even when we look at like affirmative consent coming into play, there's so many people who are progressive who are kind of like pushing back. Wow, I've seen quite a few people in our comments saying how it's a, an issue. Affirmative consent. Mm-hmm. And saying, like, how is it going to play out in the courts if it's, like, they need to have specific, like, like how does that actually affect everyone, like, where it's verbal, nonverbal cues, like, things like that, and looking at the onus and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I have a law degree. What the fuck are you talking about? I have no idea what these people argument That's is. It's not the take. No, it's not the take. Of course it's not the take. That's fucked up. But it's so confusing to me that there can be infighting about something like that. Also, I just think we need, like, we do, unfortunately, and I hate this every day, need to understand that, like... This, like those systems are never going to be perfect. No. And like, I think that we need to concentrate on making them better Yes, because at the end of the day, a lot of the time, like any kind of sexual assault or rape, um, so often happens with two people there yeah. and that is it. Yeah. And then, and there is no, there is often no way to, in the eyes of the law, prove what did and did not happen. Absolutely. So any type of progress in making that better for victims who are very often women and um, uh, marginalized groups. I just think that like we, that should be fucking celebrated. Yeah. And it's, it's like completely outrageous to me that I didn't see those comments. It's completely outrageous to me that anyone would even think about like questioning that. Yeah. But it, I think it just says so much that like, I don't know much about, our cycles. Mm. I was watching TikTok videos that were teaching me about like the different hormones and how we act. And it sort of teaches you about libido mood, what you should and shouldn't be eating just from a like dietary and supplementary nutritional perspective, mm. what you're better at burning. Like first 14 days is fat. Second 14 days is carb. Like it's, it's, there's so much to be said about all of this stuff. And like literally you're burning up to 300 calories more per day in the um, ovulation period of really? your period. And it's like, no wonder you get the cravings. Mm. And if we learn to, and this um, personal trainer that I was watching um, a TED talk, give a TED talk. One of the things he said was women or people who have a menstrual cycle should not be, be measuring themselves ever in terms of training or like nutrition on a week to week basis, because there's four distinct weeks in the cycle and mm-hmm. you need to be measuring by on a month to month basis because you're never going to get a good comparison. Interesting. And it's like, it's interesting because so many of us base so much of our lives and our routines around things that we don't actually understand. Yeah, exactly. And I think about that. And although it's not directly related to sex, we think about periods. We think about every relationship experience and i think about how we are 
the, the information we have access to is purposefully mitigated so that we don't feel educated and so that we feel disempowered from acting out at all and so that we, what, we're supposed to lead towards a culture of abstinence and celibacy? It doesn't fucking happen. Exactly. It's quite the opposite. Then we fall into the traps and then we just become so like dependent on a system that's unwilling to help us. And I think that the other thing about like not understanding hormones and things like that is then it gives um, energy and air to people who um, are like committed to putting out disinformation Mm. because like there are so many like, I guess like you could call them woo-woo people out there who want to give misinformation about hormones. Mm. And it's like, well, like I'm not surprised (laughs) that there are so many people who are like, oh, okay, that must be the, because it's just like, we don't know. And the other thing is, and this is a bit of a random comment, but as I was thinking about it, um, I think it's so interesting that it is like the conservative, like the conservative people who will like look at like a baby, like a a male baby and be like, oh my God, he's going to be a heartbreaker when he grows up. And then they want to fucking lose their shit when you're talking about sex, like when that baby is growing up and talking about sex. Better get your gun for your daughters. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's so weird that people do that. Like it's, I don't want to say it's sexualizing children because I think that's a bit over, like a bit of a stretch. But I think that it's like, like talking about babies and children in that way is so like it's like it's acceptable when they do it about children but it's not acceptable when that child grows up and talks about it in terms of themselves like Mm. what the fuck is that about yeah it's really disturbing like all those t-shirts it's like future heartbreaker or like please that's always so fucking hetero boring boring if you didn't find us completely insufferable, come back next Wednesday for a new episode. You can also find us on Instagram at Cheek Media Co. or online at cheekmedia.com.au. Yes, that's the one. That's the one. <laughs>